I don't know, I've just met a lot of really, really cool people that otherwise I never would have. And I think like interacting with those people every weekend, like you build a whole separate friend group from people all across the state, but there's still people that you see on a regular basis and you get to build those like genuine friendships with people that you're going to see at college that you otherwise wouldn't. It's funny, I'm sitting here, I'm about to turn 31, and I started it when I was 15 years old. So over half of my life, and I mean, if it's just judging a couple of tournaments a year, if it's now being a coach, being a competitor, it is a staple in my life. At speech and debate award ceremonies across the nation, the one-clap rule was established to expedite the process of awards. To show appreciation to students who earned a trip to the final stage, but avoid long blocks of applause for dozens of students. The one clap is both efficient and infectious. It is a unifier, a celebration of student success, and a moment of in-sync speech and debate community. Welcome to One Clap, a speech and debate podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Wiley. Let's get started. Greetings and salutations, friends. Lyle here, and you're listening to the One Clap podcast, a pod for speech and debate coaches and competitors from Wyoming and anywhere. Thanks for listening. So I have quite a few interviews with folks still in the bag, hanging on my computer, screaming to be released into the potosphere, and I'm working hard to get those stories, ideas, perspectives from coaches and competitors out to you as soon as possible. So that means I'm releasing apps on a little bit different schedule than my original one per week plan. You'll notice last week I released two, and this week I'm going to try to release two episodes as well. Uh, I'm going to continue to try to release two episodes a week through May at least, and try to get as much content out to you all as possible. So unless my computer or brain explodes, I should have two apps for you this week and next week, and hopefully the week after. Before I get to my guests for today, I just want to again point out that a small thing that you could do to help out um, with the one clap pod is to go on to Apple podcast and rate and review the podcast. Uh, Apple uses those ratings and reviews to push out episodes and shows and more ratings and reviews. mean, hopefully more listeners will find the pod and hear from all the great guests that I'm learning from on the show. So today, you know, I'm going to be sharing a unique interview that features a coach and competitor from the same school on the pod simultaneously for the first time. I'll be sharing my interview with Rock Springs policy coach, Jeremiah Echeverry, and senior competitor from Rock Springs, Hannah Crockett. So senior Hannah Crockett recently qualified for the national tournament this year in World Schools Debate. She's a Rock Springs CX competitor who has a really a dynamite growth mindset. She hopes to learn and grow as much as she possibly can as a debater, and she wants to go to UW in the fall and join the debate team there, hopefully. She plans on majoring in physical therapy with a minor in psych. And she eats a whole lot of these coffee nut M&Ms that uh, kick her debate energy to the next level. Then there's Jeremiah. Jeremiah Etchenberry is a former college debater who now coaches policy debate at Rock Springs. He has a bachelor's in arts and psychology from the University of Wyoming. He was a Rock Springs debater, a UW debater, and he's been helping at Rock Springs for two years. This is his first year formally coaching. He coaches policy debate. Jeremiah is passionate about helping his Tiger debaters be the best they can at every level. Additionally, he enjoys weird Cheez-It flavors and believes strongly in the importance of ice-cold soda at every tournament. So Hannah and Jeremiah shared their speech and debate stories, and then we dove into a wide-view discussion about policy debate. We talked about ways to try to make the event more fun and accessible, and why policy is a great event for students. And we spent a couple of minutes eyeballing next year's topic, even. So 
It's a broad conversation, and I think we'll just go ahead and hop right in. Here's my interview with Rock Springs policy coach Jeremiah Etchenberry and competitor Hannah Crockett. Hi, Jeremiah. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's good to have you here. I, I like to start our discussions off with something that's just really low-key and kind of fun and generally applicable to everyone in the speech and debate world to some extent. So on a scale of 1 to 10, we'll start with Hannah. How nerdy are you? Probably 7 or 8, but I don't think anybody on the circuit is less than a 6. <laughs> so basically, if you're a CX debater, period, you can't score below a six. Speech and debate in general. <laughs> there, there might be a couple of exceptions, like maybe Jeremiah. Let's see. Where, where are you at, Jeremiah? <laughs> see, I, w- I would place myself a lot higher than that. I would say <laughs> like a 9.5. <laughs> Why would you I mean, say that? I mean, Star Wars, I know them. Not the big comic book nerd, but like I enjoy just doing nerdy things, being kind of goofy, you know, having a lot of fun, things like that. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have said that you'd seem nerdy, but uh, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Um, so I want to hear both of your speech and debate sort of origin stories. Um, I know that there, there, there's going to be intersections between both of your stories, but it might make sense to start with Hannah. You want to tell us a little bit about how you got involved in speech and debate and what made you stay? Well, um, I joined relatively late compared to most people. I joined partway through my junior year, um, right after cross-country season finished. I used to be a runner. Um, I did that ever since I was like a kid. But then at the high school level, after a few years, it didn't feel like a place where I fit in anymore. I didn't drive with the coaches or the, the team, really. Um, and I was hanging out with the then co-captain or co-presidents of the debate team. And I'd always kind of wanted to try debate and they encouraged me to. So I went to a couple practices kind of like Jeremiah did. And I just, I watched and I thought it was really interesting. And policy seemed like the place that I could do more like research and learning kind of thing. So I ended up doing policy. Uh, I joined with one of my friends who was also a runner. Her name was Rachel, and uh, we became a partner, uh, policy partnership, and I've been doing it ever since. It's kind of interesting. I've I've heard from many students that were previously runners or, you know, are runners, and they also do speech and debate. It'd be kind of interesting to think about, like, the intersections of why, why, why some elements of debate are sort of um, kind of interesting to runners. Do you have well, any thoughts on that? When I was explaining, so it was after my first tournament, and I was explaining um, how speech and debate kind of works to my parents, because I'm the first person in my family that's ever done anything like this. And I had to kind of explain it like a track meet, right? Like speech is like field events, um, running is like debate events, and there's a bunch of different things going on, but you're all competing as a team, and that's really the only analogy that made sense. But also, like, I think that element of being able to do my own thing, but also, like, contribute to a sense of community and teamwork is something that, like, I don't know, I really vibe with it. Yeah, that's that's cool. So, Jeremiah, what brought you into the speech and debate world? What got you into college competition? And then what brought you to coaching? It was my junior year at the beginning of the year. I had a friend in my theater classes that thought I would really enjoy it. So we always uh, 
when Miss Mur or Miss Moran, Dr. Gamble ran or was the coach, she would have this big thing every at the beginning of every season to try to get everybody who's interested in to kind of see what they did and you know what it was like being as part of that team. And I went to the meeting and I just kind of hung around after that and I did all the events uh through my junior and senior year. Uh, I mean from I did duo, public forum, LD, extemp, congress. Like I just jumped around and enjoyed everything because of the you know our performances in in uh high school standard had contact me and he said you know i know you're coming to the university we have a program we you know after about a semester we can get you some financial aid you should you should really try it and they paid for a summer work camp at the university where i met my first debate partner and i had to learn everything over because i had never done policy and now i'm at the collegiate level against the you know top teams in the country and i, I had to like soak it up really really quick and i had to learn quickly and and from then on it's it's just been 100 percent policy um debate for me i just really found what interested me in the debate community in that event and so then what brought you to rock springs how did you end up doing some coaching there so you know we were we were living in laramie i had just graduated uh some things fell through i actually came back here for an oil field position job and did that for a while. And then uh, I was working in uh, law enforcement, probation, parole. And and my wife is uh, another assistant coach at Rock Springs High. She says, you know, you should just come and see what they're doing. They have policy here now. And I think you'd be a really good asset. I watched one round, gave some feedback. And Steph Cousins hasn't let me lay, leave at all yet. So I'm pretty much stuck here now. <laughs> well, that's lucky for the Rock Springs competitors because you are a great policy coach. So, so what do what do you like best about competing, Hannah? What's the best thing or the best things about competing? I'm very tempted to say winning because, like, that's what you go there to do. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like it's been really great just meeting everybody because, like, it wasn't a community that I've been a part of for the whole four years, like so many of the other seniors and. I don't know. I've just met a lot of really, really cool people that otherwise I never would have. And I think like interacting with those people every weekend, like you build a whole separate friend group from people all across the state, but there's still people that you see on a regular basis and you get to build those like genuine friendships with people that you're going to see at college that you otherwise wouldn't if you didn't do something like debate. Yeah. The community really is very special. And I mean, hopefully you'll find that your the relationships you build during this time, you'll keep for a very long time, which is pretty amazing. What about you, Jeremiah? What did you like about competing? And then what do you like best about coaching? What I liked about competing was, I'd say, I think Hannah really shines in our mentality is it's, you know, anything for the W type of mentality. But I mean, at the same time, it is the community. It's it's the engagement with people that you don't see every day. Um, the sense of like family you get in it is really fun. And then I always enjoyed being able to travel to all the cool places because when collegiate debate, I mean, it's national debate. I was all over the place from Missouri to Oregon to Washington to California, you know, Texas. I mean, it was just endless. I mean, we were always gone somewhere and, and it is, it's a big friend group and 
it's great. That's, and I think the ability to kind of like use some of, you know, the, I guess like academia and play a game with that is really, really fun to me. It's like being able to know really in-depth philosophy in like the mechanics of how debate functions and then being able to wield that in a way that I get a trophy at the end of the day. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, coaching is different than competing. It's completely different monster. Um, I remember always being nervous for myself going into round or like, Oh man, I'm hitting, you know, this team there, they're ranked sixth place in the nation. You know, they're, they're really, really good. They're right below us, but you know, we're gonna have to be on our toes and just nervous for myself and my partner and like trying to do that. And now I'm on like chasing four teams around, like freaking out, like, Oh my God, they're hitting the Cheyenne East team or, Oh no, we don't have the judge that necessarily jives with our style. Like, and then I'm bouncing back and forth and being like, all right, what are you running on the F? What are you running on the NAG? And like, and having that and then having a ballot in my hand at the same time. And people are being like, go to your round. You're going to be late. You can make this tournament late. And it's just like, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm here for, you know, everybody else. But um, so what I enjoy with it is, I guess, that, that sense of chaos that, that comes with it. And like seeing kids being able to like go from one place and be accelerated to such another place in academia and just their development is astonishing. I mean, just seeing Hannah going from never seen policy debate before from being like you said, just famous on the circuit for what she does. It's just outstanding to me. And, you know, it gives you a feeling of an accomplishment, but it's more like that's their accomplishment, you know, and you were just a part of it, but they're the ones that put in the work. That's some great stuff, Jeremiah. It's really, it's really interesting to have a student and a coach on here at the same time. It's, I feel like I'm going to get some good perspective from both sides. He's not normally this nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I brought you guys on here tonight because I kind of was thinking we could talk about policy debate. Um, I know that's Jeremiah's speciality and I know that's Hannah's specialty as well. So there's several things about policy I'd love to talk about. Uh, before we get into anything technical, what's so great about policy? What it, What is it about it that's that draws people in? And why is there a little bit of a stigma against policy in the state? What's so hard about getting teams to compete in policy in Wyoming? So Hannah, you want to field this one first? Sure. <laughs> I think a lot of the reason that people or that a lot of teams don't have policy oriented debate at their schools is like it's more in depth than other debates so like we have jeremiah who is essentially a full-time policy coach and without that we wouldn't have nearly the program we do and but we only even have two to four teams at any given point right so like it's a it's really in depth there's a stigma against it as being too fast or too aggressive and all of those things Like I'll tell my friends from different teams that I do policy and they'll say like, oh, wow, I could never. So I guess there's an intimidation factor. Joining late, I didn't really get that memo. So I probably wouldn't have done policy had I known. Well, do you think that maybe some of that's talk? I mean, is it as intimidating as people seem to make it out to be? In Wyoming, it's really not. Um, If you're looking at like TOC level policy debate, then like, yeah, it's scary. I'd be scared to hit any of those people. But 
because there's not much competition within the state, um, it's not such a scary thing because it's kind of an everybody's learning together kind of mentality. Because there are so many teams that are like, it's two people trying to start a policy team on their own team and they don't even have a coach. And there's a, there's a lot of teams like that or people that haven't done policy in so long and they're trying to bring it back at their school. So there's a lot of, of community learning going on, trying to figure out how we want policy to be in the state. Um, I think there's a lot of disagreement over what policy is supposed to look like. And that's why there's not so many policy teams as well as in policy, you tend to run kind of progressive arguments at different points in time and, not as many progressive people or judges in the state so policy is kind of a hard time getting getting off the ground here so you've handled the sort of dark side of of the (laughs) part of the reason why people struggle but what is it that that really draws you to policy what do you love about it I think I'm one of those people that could just learn like forever like I would stay in academia for the rest of my life if I had the opportunity you know and policy really is the best way for me to expand my knowledge on like everything. Like I'm learning philosophy. I'm learning about the economy. I'm learning about international relations. I'm learning how one pandemic ties into all of those different things. I'm learning about debate theory and I'm learning about just, just an insane amount of things. And I have so much research that I do all the time for it. Like, like you guys probably wouldn't want to look at my physics grade because in that class, literally all I do is policy research (laughs) just because there's so much to learn about it. And I love that, like, I could spend as much time as Jeremiah has or more and still not know everything there is to know about policy. Cool. Yeah, that's some <laughs> some great stuff, Hannah. Jeremiah, do you want to add a little bit on to the positives and then maybe go to some of the reasons why there's some stigmas in the state? And then maybe even like start we can start talking about ways that we can kind of fight some of those stigmas. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, some of the positives is it, it does really foster that like competitive spirit that a lot of people have because it is hyper competitive and there is a lot of work that needs to be done. And I, I, I think that's a really cool aspect about it. And when she talks about progressive debate, it, it also allows kids that, you know, in other debates might be more confined to articulate some of these arguments. It gives them an avenue to just explore it all and then tie it back into a specific topic. That's why, like, next year's topic is going to be great. It's just the legal system, essentially. Like, what are we going to do? I mean, is the affirmative, our options are just everlasting. I mean, there's the, we have so much potential to run anything that we want and talk about anything we want and talk about injustices. And it, it really it gives students the the research tools and the mindset to be like you know no i don't think this is philosophically justified or it's it's not ethical and and maybe we should have more you know um attention to those ethics and they can make an argument about it and run it every round and then the whole community gets to start to hear it i mean we we had a buddhism uh affirmative last year you know i mean we talk about really in-depth articulation or like the ways that technology changes our everyday life like 3d printing and now that's even really important because they're 3d printing in 95 masks and we were doing talking about that technology before they we had this you know pandemic and they needed that type of technology i mean that's the cool things that we can do we can use narratives about into other individual struggles and be like, Hey, and if we can fit that to the topic, uh, it's 
endless for a student. And sometimes um, that gets us into trouble because we have that mentality, like let the students tell their stories uh, because there is a lot of differing opinions of what policy debate should look like. Um, I'm trying to more emulate the higher echelon type of policy debate, national circuit policy debate, and what colleges are doing in CETA and the NDT uh, to get our students to the next level if that's something they want to do. Um, I think emulating those those systems is, is good, um, essentially. Some people like it a more traditional, slower, more about the communication skills, and I don't think that is mutually exclusive in the style that we have. I mean, there is a lot of pathos that goes into even spreading. I mean, you got to be able, you just can't read the card. I mean, you got to put the emphasis on the right words. You got to be able to write tags that are going to stick in the mind of your judges. You have to be able to convey this point just in a different stylized event. You know, it's like humor versus, um, drama or poetry versus poi, right? Like they are two separate events, but they function differently. And I think once we start understanding that and people are more open-minded about that kind of stuff and don't pull you aside and be like, look, you're ruining these students' opportunity. That That's just not called for. Like, no, no, we're not. We're all doing what we think is the best. And we should continue to do that. And like she said, there is a, a large uptick in, in doing policy well. However, I don't think it is as intimidating as it, as it really looks on face. I think it, it, there's a lot of growth that can happen and it can happen within that first year. And I tell a lot of, you know, kids when they're young, you're going to lose a lot and you're going to lose to good teams because that's how you learn. And I think that's what makes it hard for a lot of students too, is they come into it and they've done well through, elementary um through elementary and middle school and and all this other stuff you know and then now they're like being pushed with you know words like epistemology and praxis and ethical foundations that they've never heard before and it blows their mind and they're like well i could go be good in this and not have to worry about all that that i think that really sucks but if it's approached with like look, no, you'll be there. Like, don't worry. You're, you're going to be there and just encourage kids to that you see. And it takes a special person, I think a special kid to kind of get into it. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of growth for it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Hannah made some really great points about how the community itself in Wyoming, the, the CX or the policy community is, is uh, in a lot of ways, very accessible even though there's a lot of intimidation factor to the event itself. And there's a lot of people that are pretty, you know, frightened by some of those stigmas we talked about and how hard it can be and how difficult it can be to have success. I actually think there might even be more room for success than people really even know for folks that are willing to try. It might take a little bit of time, but they're really, if our, I mean, we seem poised to be able to grow in our community because there's very competitive teams. There's some really great debaters, but there's a lot of room for more and mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are learning too. And there's a community that's learning. So there's a lot of people that could have some success with some of those other people that are learning as well. So not thinking it's probably as scary 
of a thing as what other people are, are thinking. I mean, I've thrown teams into the mix and CX before with them being completely ignorant and having no idea what's going on. And, and, and like you said, it takes a certain kind of person, but they figure it out because mm-hmm. if they want to have success and they want to do well and they, they're sort of fed by that hunger to, to win or to, to get to the point where they can compete at least, yeah, I mean, students will find a way. Students mm-hmm. generally find a way. <laughs> They're much smarter than we give them credit for. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I've always been open to offering my help to different schools. I've worked with Whirlin. I've worked, um, I've constantly talked to Green River, like, let's do something. Let's all get together and, and build on these things and make it less intimidating, make it more accessible. And have those discussions, have have those community discussions that we need. Yeah, I actually think that this time in history, which is not a great time. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult time for all of us globally, you know, not just in our community and in the country, but globally, this is a tough time, but for teachers, for coaches, it's really been an opportunity for those of us that have been a little bit like hesitant about using technology to try to like improve our programs or help our students get opportunity. It's really opened my eyes in a lot of ways to opportunities that are out there that are not that intimidating that are, I mean, this technology makes it so that we can really help each other. And the coaches in this community are very willing to help out people that want to try to do CX or really any event. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a community that really wants to see the competition level in the state rise so that we can all do better. And so, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that's coming out of this that I think is maybe kind of positive is our, we're remote Wyoming, you know, some small communities might not have four CX teams or two CX teams. They might not have anybody to spar with, but I can call you up. We can set up a Zoom meeting. Students respond to other students too. So, and I think that, I mean, you know this, but until you teach something, you don't even really know if you know it. <laughs> How yeah. good would it be for your students to teach some of my students the the tenets of CX? If I could get Hannah to teach a couple of my students, then they'd listen to her before they listen to you or me. So, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> but she's probably smarter than both of us, so that that would probably be well served to listen to her. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about challenges in CX. Um, and we've even, we've even talked about some of the good stuff, but what, what are some of the really fun things that come out of it? Like Hannah, what's, what's the best feeling in CX? So especially at the beginning of the season, a lot of times you'll hit an argument or an affirmative that you haven't seen before and you didn't predict based on like open evidence or whatever. And I really like being able to sit down after the round, take that argument and say like, okay, what am I going to say back to this? And then have, all of that constructive time to myself to think, okay, this is how I'm going to frame it. This is the evidence I need. And then like spend all that time building up a really good response to arguments that I'm going to see on the circuit and just feeling prepared and confident going into round because like, you know that you have good responses and you know, you're going to see a good level of debate because like now you're going to have legit clash instead of like floundering around saying like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So like being confident going into rounds and feeling prepared because you know that you did the research you needed to is a really good feeling. Awesome. Yeah. Jeremiah, you want to add anything to that? Just some of the really fun stuff that happens in CX. I like Hannah's growth mindset. She's very focused on learning. This is really strong stuff from her. So you got any other ideas we can add to that? <laughs> Just the, the things that are fun about it. 
man, yeah, it's it's just it's just this game we play, you know, and we get to go out and do it every weekend. We get to travel, we get to see cool places, meet cool people. I mean, I mean that's true with any speech and debate event. Um, but yeah, and then like finding those nuances and and new approaches to global global problems and applying them into the into your own discussion is is righteous. I mean, it's it's totally cool. Yeah, one cool thing about policy that's very different from other debates is that you build a policy. And when I had students that were doing it, I, one of the most fun things for them was running the their when they finally when they have something new that they're really excited about and they haven't had a chance to try it. And yeah, they haven't had it totally dismantled yet, you know, by another team. Like that's always a really exciting rush for students to because and that's kind of unique to policy. Other debates, you build new cases for new topics, but you can build brand new policies over and over and over for the same topic and see it through all these different angles. And I think that that really draws some students in too. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and in different types of policy arguments. So you can, you know, we kind of do this too, is we, we have like a performative affirmative. And that was like our narratives discussions where we actually like performed a narrative in round and tried to and justify that narrative and why that should be part of the policymaking um, paradigm. Uh, we also do critical affirmatives. That was our Buddhism app. We did um, uh, just straight pol- traditional policy affirmatives. That was the 3D printing. That was um, our Africa affirmative, our Japan BMD affirmative. I mean, we have all these different approaches and it allows the students to be flexible too. And like, you know what, this round, I want to run this and they know the ins and outs of them. So, I mean, they get that flexibility and that's always fun. Definitely. I also really like the, the stylistic aspect of policy. It, it's part of the debate over like whether or not we should be more progressive or more traditional, but like part of the fun of progressive policy is like you do get to work on, skills that aren't necessarily just intellectual like I I'm still working on like I love being the fastest person in the room when I'm in a round and like I'm still working on getting faster and like getting my breathing down right and like improving on that and like I still do speed drills even though we're not like competing until an online state and stuff like that um like getting better at flowing getting better at communicating with your partner like all of those are little little skills that aren't necessarily part of the debate but there's still something that make it just like they take it up to that next level of something I really enjoy, like the intricacies of it, I guess. Cool. That's some great stuff. Both of you. Um, let's, let's talk coaching strategies just a little bit. So uh, I think I'll start with you, Jeremiah, but then we can like confirm with Hannah, whether or not these are actually coaching <laughs> strategies that you might use. <laughs> let's refrain from anything that's just, you know, just too mean, but uh, do you have any coaching strategies that you, that you use pretty often or ways of engaging your competitors in CX that might be kind of outside the box thinking or what kind of approaches you try to use? So with the students, I always try to have as much fun as possible. I, we got this, this big like megaphone in our, our squad room and if they're doing speed drills and they're not loud enough, I'll sneak up behind them because it's overwhelming. I mean, it's just it's just loud. And then I'll yell louder and just and just keep them going and have them fun. I'll look over their shoulders and, you know, whatever. We joke a lot, just engaging it with them um, as, you know, you would engage with a friend and having open discussions and, and not only not always agreeing, 
on everything or, um, you know, explain why that is to me. So I understand it and why you're doing it that way. Um, and then, you know, I'm always, I always try to be there for one or two of my teams before every round and really talk about what, how they're going to strategize in that round. And I try to help them through that. So Hannah, have you seen anything from Jeremiah that's been especially unique? Um, I guess what I appreciate most about Jeremiah is that, like he said, like he treats us, he, he addresses us on like an even playing field kind of a thing. Like he treats us as an equal as opposed to like lecturing us about like, okay, you're going to run this. I'm going to tell the other team what they're going to run or like, you're going to make this assignment. You're going to do this assignment. You're going to do this assignment. We're going to make this, this ad, this K have it done by the end of the week. Like it's always an open conversation of what do you want to run? What do you think about this argument? How did your rounds go? And it's always, it's always a conversation as opposed to like orders that you might get from like a teacher or a different kind of coach. And I really appreciate that because it makes it that much more engaging because it's allowing me to explore the things I want to run. They're giving you autonomy. So Mm -hmm. helping you lead you in directions, but really ultimately giving you a lot of freedom to go the directions you want to go. Yeah. Like, like I give, I had an idea. We did like a a lock in this summer when we got the topic um, for this year and we did a lock in and I was like, I'm going to write an affirmative based on 3d printing because that's a totally like off the wall. Like obviously nobody else is going to run that or prep for that. It's not on like open evidence or anything. So I'm going to write that kind of case. And instead of saying like, no, that's a dumb case. He was kind of like, okay, I think that's a good idea. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's the evidence you're going to need for it. And giving me the tools to do the things I want to do well, as opposed to telling me like the things he would do. That's good stuff. Have have you all on Rock Springs had a chance to to spend a little time with the topic for next year? Not even thinking about it yet. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely thinking about it. Um, I've thrown out some fun things like um, maybe like an anthrocentric K type affirmative being like, we shouldn't just apply all these laws to humans, but just to all living beings. Um, I thought about all kinds of different little things. I think one really cool direction that we've, we've actually kind of kicked the wheels on was uh, having or requiring that the federal government go back and do all the, or go through all the rape kits that haven't been tested, test them all, make it required and then run, um, you know, a modern feminist argument behind that and why it's critical that, we should be doing these type of things. So, I mean, we've had those discussions, but, you know, I think everybody right now is kind of, kind of on the, on ice and kind of like, do we want to start engaging, you know, next year's topic right now, or you just see what happens with nationals. And I know it's online now. So I think we're going to be going back to that where we talk about some, some weapons for a little bit longer, which is, which is all right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like the topic this year, um, but I, I'm pretty excited about next year's. And I'm thinking maybe after uh, after the state tournament, after we figure out what's going on with Nats, after you have all of your kids prepared for Nats and compete, because um, hopefully you'll have some. At that point, maybe we could try to get together and do a topic analysis, maybe with a couple of your students. I think that would be really fun. So got some other people kind of interested in that too, but I'd love to talk through the topic. I think that would be really cool. 
Absolutely. It really yeah. seems broad to me. Like there's so many things you could do with it. And I think that's true every year, but it feels especially broad because it like brings in other, even ideas for categories, directions you could go right there in the resolution. It just feels big to me. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, there's policing, forensics, yeah. and the law itself. So, I mean, they basically says you can change anything regarding the criminal justice system. Like the negative is, 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 I mean, they're just going to have, it's going to be a very generic negative strategy, but I think it, it always does. It narrows itself down to just a few popular arguments that you're hearing a lot of, but I mean, endless. I, I, I can't uh, predict what those are going to be at all. Cause I feel like it's going to, there's going to be a lot of directions, which I think is fun and exciting. It'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what happens. So so how can we try to find ways to build up the policy debate in Wyoming? How can we start selling it to students and, and maybe programs that are a little bit nervous about maybe trying to encourage students? What can we do from here to try to make it grow a little bit? Any ideas? Hannah, you can go first. Um, You've had better ideas than Jeremiah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I guess kind of the same thing that we've been doing with our novices on our team is just like, don't tell them all of those preconceived ideas about how scary people think policy is. Just introduce arguments as arguments, right? Like when I taught my partner like what a K was, I introduced it at the same time that I introduced a disad. Like don't tell them that people are scared of these arguments or people are scared of hitting these teams. Like just, just frame it as any other debate because then it is any other debate because really, like I said earlier, like it's not as scary as people make it out to be. And if you don't give them that idea in their head that it's going to be terrifying and like absurdly difficult, then they're going to just approach it as though it is what it is. And I think like allowing them that room to just see it for what the event is like that takes away all of that stigma and allows them to truly like, step into policy debate and like deal with it just as it's debate instead of all of that, like fear that the circuit seems to have. It's a good answer. I I mean, culturally just shifting the conversation to try to make it feel like it's not such a scary thing, I think is a really great idea. Jeremiah, you want to add anything to that? I mean, you got to make policy debate cool. Um, It's, it's just gotta be fun for everybody. You know, there's, there's always this, and, and I, I've told my students this time and time again, I do this to all the, the competitors I judge. Like, there always seems to be this dichotomy between the judge and the competitor and that the judge is, you know, put on such a pedestal, golden pedestal, like, and you have to treat them so respectfully. And I think, like, my thing is just like, look, like, I'm here for you guys, like, for lack of a better term, entertain me. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's joke around, you know, let's be laid back. And I think that's, that's part of it too, is, is just engaging in a community. Like we're all here to have fun. Like, I don't understand why, you know, this person has to be so important. I know you, you want to impress them and all, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've done things like a districts last year, couple kids asked me where they wanted to sit. So I told them to sit Indian style on the floor, you know, like, you know, just pick a seat, man. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not here because we hate it. We're here to have fun and, and to, 
to bring more people in. And I, and that's what I mean by make policy cool and make, make speech and debate cool. Um, uh, I think just working with the community all together, um, you know, just having that outreach, like you said earlier, like this, this quarantine confinement thing has, has shown that we have different avenues of communication via technology and embracing that and like having that topic analysis with, you know, the hot spring school, rock spring school, you know, include maybe Evans, just get everybody together and, and talking and having these open discussions and like, so what do you understand? And like, what do you, you know, how do you, you know, think about speech and debate and think about how policy should work and, you know, this is how I've done it and this is how you've approached it in the past, Lyle, and things like that, you know, just making it that community effort. And I think you'll see more kids looking at it and being like, this ain't that scary. This is kind of fun. Like everybody's joking around about that one round where somebody was running sock puppets or talking about how capitalism is zombies and, and, and things like that, you know, just, just fun little nuances like that. And they'll, they'll want to dip their toe in the water. Yeah. I mean, ultimately we're, we're an activity, right. That is all about student growth and all about student opportunity and student success. But with all of that, we're all about students having a good time learning and, and enjoying a community together and, you know, hopefully that's some great points. What if, what if we could like get that spirit of the community in all of our schools and join it together just a little bit more? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that that would be a good way to approach improving CX and policy and all of our events, really, I think. Okay, so we've talked specifically about policy a little bit. And from here, if you'd like to generalize a little bit, that'd be cool. Is there anything that you just want to say about your experience in the speech and debate community? Anything that you'd like to share and what it means to you? what you've experienced. Hannah, is there anything you'd like to share about the speech and debate community? I'm just really grateful that everybody was as welcoming as they were. Like, like we've been talking about pretty much the whole time. Like it is a great community and it's something that like, when I didn't know if I was going to be a runner or what I was going to do with my life anymore, because running had been such a big part of my life. It was the first place that really was like, hey, you don't have to figure it out, but we're here while you do. And if you decide this is the thing you want to do, we're going to be here for that, too. Um, every single person I've met through debate is so supportive. I've met incredible people um, throughout the state, coaches and competitors and even just judges that have come in. Like, There are so many great people that I've had the opportunity to meet, and I'm just so glad that they were all there to welcome me into the community. Awesome. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to share anything about speech and debate? Man, it's, it's funny. I'm sitting here I'm about to turn 31 and I started it when I was 15 years old. So over half of my life. And I mean, if it's just judging a couple of tournaments a year, if it's now being a coach, being a competitor, like it is a staple in my life. And, and, I appreciate what everybody that, you know, what everybody does for this activity. It's one of the, the largest activities that you can do. I mean, teams are traveling 70 students. I mean, that's from custodial staffs at the school, bus drivers. I mean, you got to thank the bus drivers. You're driving 40 hollering kids on a bus over icy roads every weekend. Like, 
they're doing great. The time and commitment that the head coaches put in, that the district committees, the state committees put in, uh, you know, the community judges, I mean, bringing it all together always seems impossible. But then on Saturday night after awards, you walk off stage and you're like, holy cow, we did it. Like it's done. You know, I think that's astonishing and just how hard people are willing to work to give these students the opportunity and how hard they work shows that their, their gratitude and their gratefulness of that work. Um, I think that nothing beats that. I mean, that's, I guess that's what keeps me going. I mean, it's definitely not the paychecks, um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's just fun. It's part of me. It's part of my life. It's, I mean, what else am I going to do with all this knowledge about policy debate, but coach policy debate, like three quarters of my brain is just mush. If I am not in this activity, it is just, it's somebody be like, I, I don't want to hear about solvency or your new, your new uh, ontology. Gay. Like, what are you talking about, man? I got to do something with it. So, and, and you know, I, I really appreciate like, this podcast, I've listened to a couple of them. I think it's really cool. It's it's hearing everybody else's opinions and, and bringing people on to have, you know, just a friendly conversation about what they love doing. And that's great to hear. It's great to see. Um, it's awesome, man. Well, thanks, man. So glad you guys are here. I appreciate it a lot. I have a really, a couple of, well, at least one really serious question before we can call it a night. And that is, what is your go-to speech and debate snack? We're getting some really interesting answers here. Hannah, what is your go-to snack? Either it could be preparation or tournament snack. Either Coffee, or. peanut M&Ms. <laughs> Co- what? <laughs> They're coffee-flavored peanut M&Ms. Yeah. And they come in like a, it says like to share size bag with like the resealable thing. You don't share. You can eat them in round because they are small, but they're still food. And I, I, cause we've all forgotten to eat at a tournament, right? But like peanut M&Ms are something small enough that you like can kind of forget that you're eating them. But also like, I don't know, I rationalize it to myself by saying that a peanut is good enough like sustenance for the day. Yeah, Matt Liu's answer was all about protein. You know, it's like you gotta have protein. It used to be turkey jerky and tra- and then trail mix and and so peanut M and M's with coffee flavor. There's protein, but there's also caffeine and chocolate. So it does mix some pretty interesting things. I should have mentioned the Red Bull too. Two oh. two to three Red Bulls a day. <laughs> I would advise against that, but uh, <laughs> but all right, <laughs> Jeremiah, what's your go-to snack? The hospitality room whatever they got um that that's i mean as coaches i mean we judge a tournament based on the food they bring and um there, there's two things i always think that coaches look for is the tournament on time are we going to get home on time and everything like that and then second what was in hospitality was it good food was the people serving it okay um but that'd be one thing and i think if if it was something i buy it would be uh Oddly flavored Cheez-Its. Buffalo uh, flavored Cheez-Its. My favorite are extra toasty. Those extra to- toasty ones, they're so good. I would advise you against trying the Buffalo flavored Cheez-Its. Jeremiah loves them, but they are not very good. <laughs> okay. They are incredible. I, and I'll just eat them in round. And people are looking at me like, what is this guy doing? I had a gal at a tournament actually asked me if I was going to snack the entire time and ruffle the bag. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm hungry. I haven't gotten to eat. Like I haven't gotten to hit the hospitality room yet. So 
You do what you got to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So one more snack related question, because this is the really hard hitting stuff that I'm really interested in. So (laughs) when you go into a hospitality room, what is the food that you see that really makes your heart like a flutter? Like it's like, oh my gosh, they have, what is it? For me, it's probably donuts. When there's donuts, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Something warm and savory and delicious. Like, uh, I think it was, I want to say Riverton. Yeah, Riverton. Uh, You had to go through that crazy maze of rooms to get back in the back. But they had like four big things of different kinds of chilies and soups. And I was like, somebody put some effort into that. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I see a lot of tacos and Mexican food. Um, so I'm kind of getting burnt out on that. Cold soda is always a good one. Um, I, I try not to drink a lot of soda uh, when I'm not on speech terms. But at the end of the day, you're just like, I can't drink no more green tea or water, man. Just give me give me a Dr. Pepper. And if it's cold on ice, like, cause I've seen at some places where they just stack the soda on the thing. And it's like, I don't want a warm soda. Like I gotta go sit two hours in a debate round. Like give me two cold sodas and we'll be good to go. But it's good stuff. Thank you guys so much for talking to me and taking an hour out of your night to, to talk and share your ideas and thoughts about the speech and debate community and about policy debate. So thank you so much. Maybe I can have you on again to talk. Absolutely. Uh, Anytime. Criminal justice reform or something. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again to Jeremiah and Hannah for coming on the pod to share their stories and ideas. It was a really fun discussion with two really smart policy minds. The next episode of the One Clap Podcast will feature the three-headed co-director monster of Matt Liu, Nick Ryan, and Londi Ganyan that was the motor behind the planning and execution of much of the online Wyoming State Speech and Debate Tournament. So be watching for that episode in the next couple days, and we're going to reflect on the tournament and think about what we learned and how that can be applied to national preparation as well. So if you have any ideas, questions, or thoughts about what we could explore in the pod, please reach out on social media or email me at lylewiley at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe, be kind, and we will always serve ice cold soda at the One Clap Podcast.